I'm Emma Judd and welcome to The League Cast, a podcast from The League Against Cruel Sports. Each month I'll be joined by friends and fellow campaigners to talk about all things animal. Uh, the UK environment sector is made up of less than 5% of people from ethnic minorities and is the second least racially diverse sector in the country. In this series, we're discussing what diversity in the environment sector means. And we're speaking to three people who advocate for change in their daily lives. One of those people is my guest today, Erica Awaro from the Students Organising for Sustainability Organisation, or SOS-UK, which is a student-led education charity focusing on sustainability, justice and well-being. Welcome, Erica. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Um, so, I mean, tell us a little bit about your organisation. What do you what do you do? And and the organisation as as a whole, you know, where does that sit? What's its what's its ethos? Right. So, we're a student led education charity created by NUS actually in 2019 in response to the emergency and ecological crisis. So we kind of support students and the wider society to learn, act and learn for and lead, sorry, for environmental justice. So kind of all of the work that we do is around educating students because we are student led, but also the wider society to be able to actually learn more about the environment because I especially didn't have any knowledge before I started working with them so um yeah it's been a lot of learning for me as I try to help I guess our organization teach others as well the I mean, National Union of Students the NUS as you say national organization national um body for all students across um the UK I think um it's it's really exciting that something like this is on a national scale rather than just being targeted from one university to another as a series of societies which is normally what it is um what kind of what kind of outreach are you able to do as a national organization um we kind of go as far as we can really the aim is to have everybody know about us everybody hear about what we're doing I think our reach is pretty good I think we research we advocate we literally do everything there is like you will hear about us somewhere along the line as um I mean, it's really important to have um, environmentalism start in the school curriculum. And that's really where you're focused, isn't it? It's it's getting kids interested in environmentalism. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, It's so important that they learn from when they're as young as possible, because you make your choices quite early on. And I think learning about it at I don't know, like uni is a little bit too late because you kind of made up your mind as to where you want to go and changing sometimes is a little bit rigid. So yeah, as young as possible. So I mean, you were really honest a minute ago about not really knowing anything until mm-hmm. what, about environmentalism until you, you joined SOS UK. Is that is that really something that you're striving to change to, to oh, have yes, education absolutely. earlier? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I... I think all I knew about environmentalism, sorry to say, is geography. (laughs) I just knew about geography and I was like, yeah, this is not for me. It's super boring. I don't really care about the layers of the earth again. Um, I get it. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, having come here, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so different. Um, And it's so important because stuff is changing. Like we have global warming, like the weather's doing all sorts. So I was like, I was not aware of how impactful it actually is. 
So, yeah, I think getting in there early and having like the younger generation understand how environmentalism kind of affects every part of their life, I guess, because we all live on this earth is very, very, very important. Well, that brings us very neatly onto really the topic of conversation today. We all do live on this earth and having um, a range of voices must be important. You're a part, a big part of your role, as I understand it, is campaigning for more diversity within the yeah. environmentalism sector. Um, where are we at the moment with that? What's What does that look like currently? Um, it's not great currently. Um, unfortunately, despite the efforts of like a range of recent initiatives, people of colour still remain very underrepresented across the environmental sector. Um, recent data, I think, has revealed that there's about 4.8% of environmental professionals that are actually identify as Black and ethnic minorities, compared to about 12.6% of all other professionals. So it's a little bit, it's not great, but um, hopefully we'll be getting there with more work that we're doing, not just us, but like everybody in general. So tell us um, a little bit about that work. I know you are particularly involved in a specific project around diversity. So so tell us about that. So what actually brought me to SOS UK was um, the possibility of being able to work on the race report. So the race report is the Racial Action for the Climate Emergency, which is a campaign that we're working on, which um, is for racial diversity at work in the environmental sector. And we believe that transparency and accountability are necessary to advancing climate justice. So we're actually trying to replicate the success of Green 2.0. So that's kind of like our founding father. They did it in America. And they kind of had like an annual transparency report of staff diversity in the top 40 environmental non-for-profits and environmental foundations. So we kind of are hoping to kind of replicate their success, but we're doing it with UK environmental charities and their funders. So um, yes, we're hoping to kind of get the same same success, I guess, because they're very big now. And we're hoping that um, bringing more transparency into their sector will enable peer learning and kind of boost the efforts to make charities more inclusive and diverse. So it kind of really hones in on the fact that we're all trying our best to work on this rather than just being a small group of people. And why why is it so important to have um, that diversity in the sector, in your opinion? Um, I just think you kind of will learn from people like yourself. So I will always look for people that look like myself or have had similar experiences. And I think children kind of do the same thing. So um, if I see someone that I look up to being able to be a pilot, I may also think that I have the ability to be a pilot just because I've seen a lot of people like myself that have been able to do that rather than thinking being a pilot is left for a very select few. So I think in that case, um, diversity is so important because we don't want to limit a few... um, I don't want to limit just environmentalism to just maybe white men or white women. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to have those that kind of mirror um, that you can hold up to as as much of society as possible to say, yeah. you know, hey, you can do this. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you look like, uh, where you come from, what your background is. Yeah, you know, this this can be for you too, um, and. I know talking on behalf of the league, our organisation, we 
before the pandemic, well, and, and now we were based in leafy Surrey, um, you know, in, in Godalming. And um, when we had to commute into the office every day, there was obviously a very small catchment area where people would, we would draw um, our colleagues from, which Surrey isn't really known for its breadth of diversity, especially in the rural areas, you know, mm-hmm. where, which Godalming, you know, is as a market <laughs> town. Um, do you think that um, the different ways of working now that the pandemic is over, um, so, so we are told, um, mm-hmm. do you think that would that would help or hinder um, diversity recruitment in particular? I think it's going to be very beneficial because we could literally have people from everywhere working together and um, working on things they may not ever have worked on stuff with, like, I think that's the same way I got into where I am at the moment because I don't think I'd have ever seen myself in the environmental sector. But, you know, thank God for COVID. I guess we have some ups. (laughs) (laughs) They might be few, but there are some. (laughs) Yeah, there are a few. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess because of COVID, I was able to kind of get this role um, because I really and truly never would have considered it before. I just didn't, I didn't think I was educated enough because I just didn't know anything about the environment. But now now you do, and, and certainly every day is a, a school day, as they say. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what, what you guys at SOS UK are, are trying to do, you know, give that education to, to younger people so that, um, you know, that they're aware and, and they have those role models from a breadth of, of areas. Looking on your website, um, you have a brilliant page, which is kind of like a meet the team page. <laughs> and um, and actually, I think it's in terms of diversity, um, of background, of race, of gender, um, you know, I think it's, it is a, a bit of a, a beacon for the rest of the sector um, to try and emulate. So um, something that the league is is really keen on is is being more diverse and we've set up diversity committee to try and you know ensure that any blockers to recruitment in particular um there are um are removed is there anything in your experience or that you've come across that you think small organizations like us um can do to be a bit more inclusive or to take away the barriers to inclusivity Um, I think before I answer that quickly, I must say, um, I think you mentioned that our diversity was quite good, uh, having looked at our page. And even with that, to lead back to the the other question, I kind of think the pandemic really kind of helped in that sense, because before it um, kind of wasn't like that. I think we had four, four other Kickstarters, including myself. No, it was three others, sorry. Three others come in to kind of... um, also kind of rejig the look of the organisation because it was very white before. But I think um, kind of knowing where we're trying to go and with the race report and stuff, we also had to start by looking at ourselves first and kind of hiring outside. And I think making more of an effort to hire and look for more diverse candidates. So I think that, again, will be more possible because we were kind of all working from online um, I think two of our colleagues in the Kickstarter team were from Birmingham. And again, I would have never, never come across them. And I just feel like <laughs> they're my work besties now. So I feel like <laughs> they're working online and kind of 
having a bigger reach is definitely going to help going forward. But um, what else do I think small charities could do? I think it's just being intentional, I think, with trying to hire more diversely. I think it's a very big question because it's very... (laughs) It is, it is, yeah. But um, I just think it's about really making an effort to try and look outside of the box or trying to incentivize, I guess, more diverse applicants to apply and having a look at why maybe they aren't. Is it the education or is it where the jobs are based? I think those are um, big things to think about. Yeah, that's that is that is really key actually yeah because it isn't just about location anymore yeah um mm-hmm. so we do need to have a little bit of a look at what else um the perception is of oh absolutely of, of the recruitment because because absolutely people from a range of backgrounds are properly educated you mm-hmm. know for for us um but we need to probably make sure that that we're clear about that and what we're expecting yeah. or what we're hoping for Mm-hmm. um for, for us in particular um so just going back to um the race report green yes. 2.0 um the the work that you've done now is kind of setting the standard as it is now I suppose mm-hmm. and then um measuring where you get to um yeah. what would I mean I suppose this is another big question <laughs> I'm really sorry about that but you know what would you like to see the sector doing you know is is do you have any any specific goals or is it just better or more or different um I think a main thing for me would kind of be educating people on the fact that this sector isn't like we're not just hiring white people because I think in some areas within the environmental sector such as um conservation professionals um a hundred percent of that makeup is still just white Um, according to the latest Office for National Statistics data. So I think um, a big thing for me would be kind of honing in the fact that we are looking for diversity. We're not just looking for one race, one gender, um, because I 100% believe that we kind of all learn from each other. We all have um, different viewpoints and we can learn from that. And we kind of all live together. This all affects, this will affect every race, every gender, all ages. So I think my main thing would just be honing that in, making it like a vocal point of our campaign that diversity and and environmental action is for everybody because I don't think we can have justice without having climate justice. Well, that's a that's an amazing soundbite. Uh, <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it for for us as well. It's it's wondering whether we should do more, say, in the sphere that you're doing, like um, going and doing outreach somehow into into schools. And we've launched an education program actually in the league, which is it's geared towards. Um, adding say wildlife to and an appreciation of of wildlife to the curriculum um, in primary schools Mm -hmm. uh, and early secondary schools to just to to promote wildlife and and 
conservation and um, the, the need to protect our wild places and our wild things, you know, which is why um, we do consider ourselves as a, even though we're the League Against Cruel Sports, so an anti-blood sports charity, we consider that we are part of the environmentalism sector as well, because mm-hmm. there is such a crossover between animal welfare, animal husbandry, ecology, environment, animal husbandry, it goes on. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder whether talking about charitable or charity jobs and careers when we're also going into schools already talking about wildlife and other charities go into schools as well and talk about their say their objectives as charities mm-hmm. rather than them working for themselves. Do you think that would be something useful to do that, that schools might appreciate that? I 100% believe so. Um, I just feel like opening up the whole pool because like you said everything kind of intertwines and goes with each other so having the kids kind of allowing them a broader depth of the knowledge out there and the opportunities out there I feel like can't do any harm (laughs) really and (laughs) really no it wouldn't it won't make things worse will it (laughs) yeah exactly so I just feel like there's no harm in it so why not (laughs) (laughs) I like that. No, I think I think I'm I'm hoping that the other NGOs and organisations will be listening to this podcast and and kind of questioning themselves about their approaches to diversity, to recruitment, to outreach. Um, if there was, and I'm putting you on the spot here, I recognise that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if there was, say, one piece of advice you could give NGOs, what would that be? Ooh. Um. I think it kind of would be highlighting your working culture because that's a huge thing I look for when joining somewhere and kind of showcasing your diversity and your difference because I feel like that's kind of what we all know what the corporate world is like we kind of want something different want to see why we should join you what makes you stand out because I feel like if you're doing all of this really radical, crazy stuff, I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness, I want to join. I want to be a part of this. And it all sounds so, like, huge, but we kind of are saving the world, and I feel like that should be made (laughs) as fun as possible. Like, everybody (laughs) should join. Come on. (laughs) Let's go. Not all heroes wear capes, right? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) No, yeah, that's that's brilliant. That That is such good advice. You know, we're um it should be fun but also it should be obvious I guess is what you're saying yeah we want a range of voices and we don't want to pay on our job job adverts that we put out we don't really just want to be saying you know we're interested in accepting applications from different parts of society actually we need to sort of weave that in to all of the messaging not just put a a, a standard paragraph on the bottom not that I think we do that in particular but it does happen doesn't it yeah it's kind of almost like lip service yeah and that doesn't mean that we all need to do the same thing because like we've said it's such a it's such a huge bit of work that we are doing so we can all do it differently and then because at the end of the day it's about coming together we are kind of all doing the same thing but we just may take different approaches to it yeah, definitely. Well, and, and talking about that, you know, the people listening to this podcast might be wondering a, a little bit more about SOS UK, especially some of our um, younger listeners um, who might be at university or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, where can they go to find out more about specifically your organisation and what you do and how they can be involved? 
Right, so we have um, our main website. So if you tap in SOS UK, everything will be there. It kind of will lead you to everywhere that you want to go. We have all the social media platforms. Um, I don't want to say it on here just in case I get it wrong because <laughs> they will eat me. <laughs> but I will direct you to our main website. It literally will have all of the pop-ups. You will see our programs, our campaigns, our research that we're working on, um, any events. It will take you to the race report page. So if you'd have to ha- like have a closer look at that. Um, yes, we kind of are everywhere doing a bit of everything. So come and join us love that so uh, uh a very super quick google one you were just talking there uh tells me that you are uh www.sos-uk.org and that will and that's of course where you can find that wonderful page which introduces the team and tells us everybody a little bit more about what you do yes. um is there anything that we haven't touched on erica that you think it might be important for listeners to understand um that we've not talked about yet um no I don't think we I feel like we've covered everything but I just want to kind of like reiterate that the environmental field is kind of for everybody um I feel like there's a section for everyone really if you're not really that into animals there is so much more to it than just grass and animals and the sun because that's really what I thought it was about and I felt like I was led so astray. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think for me growing up, it was about um, old fridge, and I'm a lot older than you, it was about old fridges um, emitting like CFCs into the atmosphere and destroying the ozone layer. That's Mm -hmm. that's where I grew up knowing about and Blue Peter telling me to (laughs) put plastic in the bin. Which is unfortunately where we still are. We're still with the plastic crisis. So, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Erica, thank you so much for your time. No, it's been thank you. Absolutely fantastic talking to you. And thank you for being part of the Leadcast. <laughs> thank you. That's it from this month's episode. We would love for you to get in touch on our social channels with any questions that you might have had, though. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for The League Against Cruel Sports. Please also make sure you subscribe to the Leadcast so you never miss a single episode. 